since uh, Matt gave us the New Year message uh, last week, and uh, appreciated the, uh, the encouragement uh, to the saints. Uh, the title of this message could sound like a New Year's message, even though we're actually back in the book of Romans. I titled it, uh, The Eight-Step Program to Help Your Church Be Healthy. The Eight-Step Program to Help Your Church Be Healthy. It's a, it's a common New Year's resolution, uh, especially as, as we uh, grow older. Uh, I, I don't really think of myself as old. But uh, some years ago, my doctor warned me about uh, my diet and how I need to be uh, watching my intake if I don't want to have to start going on medication um, to prevent possible heart disease. So I took it to heart, and I tried to limit my diet a bit, uh, especially as to the sweets I was eating. Uh, I personally feel like I've been regressing a little bit. And that's when people will make a New Year resolution and say, okay, I'm going to start eating healthy, I'm going to exercise. Uh, why? Because uh, we appreciate having healthy bodies, right? Having a healthy body allows me to do more things. Uh, I might feel better about myself. I'm likely to have less medical issues, uh, which is a good thing. So a lot of good reasons to, um, to, to eat healthy, to try to be healthy. And uh, if a New Year resolution helps you do it, uh, great. You know, use, use the New Year resolution power to do it. Um, in this particular passage, we'll see that the Lord is concerned uh, with the health of the church. The health of the church. The church is the body of Christ. Right? We are his representative on the earth. He's the head. He gives uh, the command. He gives the directions. And we are the ones who execute uh, his will. Uh, we're, we're connected to him. Uh, he is, he is uh, the head. We are, we are the body. Uh, we see Paul has a concern about that in chapter 1 of Romans. So you have to kind of go back in your mind to uh, uh, the spring of last year. But in chapter 1, Paul, in his introduction to this epistle, said to the Roman, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Paul was concerned for uh, the longevity of the church at Rome, and that was one of the reasons he wrote this letter to them, was to see them established. And uh, in the earlier uh, half of Romans, or three quarters, depending on how you count it, uh, he gave them a lot of doctrinal truths. He talked about how uh, salvation is by faith. And also our sanctification, being able to live the kind of life that God wants us to live is, um, is something that God does by faith, our trust in him, his power, his provision. Uh, in the later half or quarter of this epistle, Paul starts running into, running into writing about practical issues in the church and things they needed to do in order to to be the church that Christ wanted them to do to be. And in Romans chapter 14, he introduces us to um, the, the risk of division in the church. And he says this in Romans 14 and verse uh, 1. 
uh, Romans 14, verse 1. We'll be studying Romans 15, so this is just going back to uh, the previous message. Romans 14, verse 1, Paul writes, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. We might think of this as uh, something strange to have church division about, uh, whether people should be vegetarians or not. Uh, but in those days, meat was often offered to idols. And after it was offered to idols, it was being made available at the marketplace for people to purchase it. And if you came out of that background and you see that meat, you know it was offered to idols, you'd say it would be wrong to eat that meat. That will be partaking of idolatry. But then there may be a, a fellow brother who says, oh, it's just meat. It doesn't matter what people did with it beforehand. Uh, it's, it's, it's from the Lord, right? Everything is from God. I can eat it um, without uh, sinning against God. And um, while that might be true, uh, it still it becomes a source of division in the church, uh, disputing, and uh, that does not help the church uh, be a healthy church, right? And so Paul... In, uh, in this section, will give us instructions. What is it that we ought to do to resolve um, this unhealthy division in the church? And I summarized it as an eight-step program uh, to help your church uh, be healthy. With that, let's go ahead and turn to Romans 15, and we'll read uh, today's passage. I'm going to grab my water while you turn in your Bible. Water helps you be healthy. <laughs> but that's not one of my points uh, for this sermon. Okay. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. We then, who are strong, are to bear with the scru scruples, scruples? scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us Please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God 
for his mercy, as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay, what is this eight-step program? The first step is to bear with one another, bear with one another. We then who are strong are to bear with the scruples of the weak. Uh, in, uh, in a health program or a workout program, they'll often say uh, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. If I uh, go to workout and at the end of it, I don't feel sore at all, it's probably because I didn't work out quite enough to actually gain anything from my workout. Um, if I uh, don't feel a little bit, uh, you know, like I'm missing something when I'm on a diet, I'm probably not dieting enough. The <laughs> um, same thing when we are uh, working for the health of the church, I'll, I will probably have to, to bear something uh, that, um, that I'm not quite happy about. I, I have... Uh, things that I may want to do, and I might have to restrain myself uh, for the good of the church. In this particular case, uh, Paul says, we then who are strong are to bear with the scruples of the weak. Uh, maybe I don't have any reservations about eating meat, but you do. And uh, we go to a restaurant together, and you'll order a nice salad, and I'll order the steak and be sitting there next to you <laughs> eating the steak, uh, knowing that, that you feel that that's wrong, right? That will not help uh, you uh, in your desire to follow the Lord. When I, a brother next to you, am doing something that you consider uh, to be against uh, the Lord's will. So uh, the instruction that Paul gives is restrain yourself, right? You then who are strong are to bear with the scruples of the weak. Paul says in... Uh, Romans 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. There's nothing wrong uh, with eating meat, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For the brother who's convinced that's against the Lord's will, for them to do it would hurt their conscience. Uh, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in Love. I'm not showing love to the brother who's ordering a salad dish while I'm eating the steak in front of them. That's not loving. Uh, do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. The danger is that brother's walk with the Lord will suffer. I am destroying, uh, if you would, the faith. And Paul instructs us uh, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. My priority ought to be for my brother or sister to mature, to be built up in the faith in Christ, even if that means restraining myself 
and not having the nice uh, steak dinner that I want to have. Um, I need to be thinking of their good even at the expense of me doing what I want to do. That was step one. Step two, um, so step one was to bear with one another. Step two is follow Christ's example. In this passage, Paul says, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, some, uh, some years ago, maybe it was just last year, um, I, I uh, had some pain in my, I forget if it was my back or some portion of my upper body, and I talked to Michael about it. He's a local expert here. Whenever I have any pain in my body, you know, it's good to have someone to talk to who can give you some advice. And um, he suggested I needed some exercises to strengthen my upper body. And he, he lent me a DVD of, uh, of the kind of workouts I need to do. Um, and what do you know, on the DVD, there's a picture of, you know, a muscular man, you know, a head full of hair. You know, I mean, the guy looked, you know, really good. And, um, and often when, when we uh, go for these health programs, you know, there's, there's a person who's being put forward as an example. You want to look like that person, right? This is what you have to do. Uh, well, as Christians, we want to be like Christ, right? Christ is our, is our goal. Uh, he's, if you would, our idol, except he's not. He's God. <laughs> we want to be like him. We want to be like him. So what's Christ's example uh, for us? Um, well, Christ cared about the church, right? Christ wanted uh, his church to be a glorious church. It says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. Christ wanted us to be a beautiful uh, church, and he gave himself for it. What does it mean that he gave himself? This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Uh, some translation will say, a thing to be grasped. Jesus had the right to remain in heaven on the throne of God. I have a right for a steak dinner, right? I have a right. Uh, Jesus' right was to stay in heaven, seated on the throne of God. But he gave up that right, and we're told in verse 7, made himself of no reputation. He was here on earth as a nobody, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. To make us a beautiful church 
the Lord Jesus was willing to go to the cross. So if I want to, to the church to be a healthy church, I should be willing to give up something right, for the benefit of the church. It shouldn't be all about my rights. You know, I should be able to have my steak dinner or whatever it is that I think is my right. Uh, I should be willing to give up my right for the good of others because that's what Jesus did. Uh, step number three, uh, we should avail ourselves of the encouragement of the scriptures. In verse four it says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. If I was going through some sort of a health program uh, trying to lose weight, I could perhaps read testimonials, right? There's a lot of programs out there and they uh, each want you to follow them. And so they'll provide testimonials. You could read about people who went through the program and maybe they, they had difficulties. Uh, if, if they're honest, they had difficulties as they went through the program, but they can share how over time it became easier uh, saying no to that nice donut and, and the benefit to their body, how they started feeling better about themselves, how they reached their goal, how they uh, became healthier. Um, and, uh, and we have uh, the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God uh, was given to us to encourage us in following God's will uh, in our lives, including, uh, in particular, um, giving us uh, the patience and comfort uh, that we need to be able to uh, to go through the difficulties involved with helping the church become uh, healthier. This is what it says in uh, James 5, 10 through 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Did Job have a hard time? Yes. Yes, Job had a terrible time. Uh, I don't know of anyone who had greater trials than Job, but we see in the scripture God carrying Job through the trials and at the end giving him greater blessings than he had before his trials. So, is it possible that uh, in the process of, of building God's church, I might go through hard times? It's possible. But I have the encouragement of the scriptures, right, that God uh, is able to, to carry us through the trials and give us greater blessings uh, as we pass through them, after we pass uh, through them. So we can use it as an encouragement, right? Uh, it's easy to get discouraged in the work that God gives us but there's encouragement in the scriptures to help us through that time. Number four, step number four, uh, live by the power of God. Live by the power of God. 
a person, again, going through a weight loss program uh, has resources accessible to them that could help them with that. And uh, that could be a nutritionist. You could go to a nutritionist, and the nutritionist will tell you exactly what you need um, to help you. Uh, you can go and join uh, groups. So you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with other people. Uh, you can uh, get a membership in a gym, right? Uh, take classes, right? There's a lot of resources uh, to help you. What is our resource as we, we seek to, to serve the Lord in making his church, uh, his body, a healthier uh, body? That resource uh, is God himself. God gives us the power uh, that we need. In 2 Peter uh, 1, 2 through 4, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Where will we find uh, the patience and comfort we need? In verse uh, 5, it says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. God is the one who is patient. Uh, God is the one who is able uh, to comfort. Uh, but the Bible tells us that God has given us his power. Right? We're not trying to do things by our own power. We're trying to do things by the power of God. Without that, it's impossible to live the Christian life. The Christian life when we mentioned how Christ is the head of the church, right? And he's the one uh, who gives us the power to live as his body. Uh, my body needs energy in order to do things, right? The body of Christ needs the energy of God, the power of God to do the work of God. And the Bible tells us that it's been made available to us. We have that power to take advantage. If you don't feel you have that power, you could... You could ask the Lord, Lord, show me your power. Give me the strength to do this thing that I know you want me to be doing. We're not here to do things by our own power. We're here to do things by the power of God. Step number five, uh, you want to have a clear goal, right? If you're on a, a weight loss program, I hope you have a goal. You don't want to keep losing weight. Right? Eventually, uh, there'll be nothing left of you. Right? You want to have a goal. I want to lose 10 pounds. If I lose 10 pounds, I'm, I'm going to be healthier, feel better. Um, and, and you go for that goal. What's the goal in this passage? Uh, we're told in verse 6 that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the goal of a church? What's the most important thing about a church? Well, it's actually to worship God. That's the, the big purpose, the church, to worship, to appreciate uh, who he is, to appreciate 
what he has done for us. Uh, we, we have our worship meeting in the morning, the breaking of bread, and, uh, and hopefully with one mind and with one mouth, we're glorifying uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. He gave us eternal life. Uh, he forgave us our sins. Right? He, we were talking this morning how uh, he shares with us um, his divine character, right? I mean, we have amazing reasons uh, to worship God. And uh, the importance of this is shown in uh, Revelation chapter 2. Jesus was uh, writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, and he, uh, he says to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, this thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. It sounds like the perfect church. Uh, they're, they're, they're hard at work in serving uh, the Lord Jesus, they're resisting uh, the false teaching. Nevertheless, verse 4, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Your, your heart is no longer with me, right? And it's such a serious issue. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You know, I'm not interested in you as a church. This place could be full of works, uh, doing all kinds of acts of service for the community, uh, teaching and preaching the word of God faithfully. But if God doesn't see a heart of love here in our midst, our worship to him, he's not interested in us as a church. He says, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I don't need you, <laughs> right? I don't need you to do good works for me or teach the word of God if there's no love in your heart for me, right? It's that worship appreciation to God uh, that he wants. And if, uh, if me and, and Brother Matt went out to breakfast before the breaking of bread, and, and uh, I, I feel that we shouldn't have any meat to eat, and I ordered a nice place of, plate of salad for breakfast, and Matt orders that steak, we're going to have a hard time coming here afterward and, and worshiping the Lord with one mind and one heart. There's going to be problems. Right? So we got to remove division in the church. We have to remove hard feelings from the church if we want to be able to really worship the Lord with uh, one mind and one mouth. Number six, uh, step number six. Remember those eight steps, so we're kind of working at the second half now. Um, remove barriers to success. You know, if, uh, if I'm trying to diet, and, uh, and my daughter is making fresh brownies and kind of leaving them on the counter. I enter the house and, and I can smell those brownies. That's going to be very difficult, right, for me to be successful in, in, in my diet. I need to remove away <coughs> the temptations. Uh, in this case, it means kicking my daughter out of the house or at least convincing her, you know, keep the brownies in your room. Uh, I, need, I need to get rid of these barriers. And... Uh, what does that mean for a healthy church? Uh, we're told in 
verse 7, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us uh, to the glory of God. How, how did Christ receive us? First of all, uh, he received us undeservedly, meaning I didn't deserve to be received uh, by Christ. Uh, Titus 3 says, For we ourselves, this describes me, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Uh, this is all of us, right? It's, uh, it's, it's uh, the most accurate description we could find of who, who we are and what we were like. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Uh, I've been saved by grace. I've been shown mercy by God. Christ received me not because I did anything to deserve it. Now we're told to receive one another just as Christ received us. I can't hold you up to a standard and say, you know, uh, you know, Matt is just not performing at the level I need him to to receive him as a brother. I need to see some better, better effort for Matt. No, I cannot. I can't require a brother or sister in Christ to, to uh, be perfect or be good enough before I can receive them as a brother of Christ. I remember uh, Hugo years ago, uh, we were talking about a church and how no church was perfect. And, and I think Hugo said to me something, if you go to a church and, you, and it's perfect, don't go in. Because as soon as you go in, it's no longer a perfect church. And, and that's true about each of us. None of us uh, is perfect. All of us have lots of faults. Um, if, you, if we are to be a healthy church, we have to receive one another, not based on our performance, Right? or we will never receive one another. We cannot, we cannot be a healthy church if we require a certain standard uh, of performance. We have to receive one another undeservedly. Uh, I don't deserve to be your brother in Christ. But, um, you know, praise the Lord, you are willing to receive me as one. Right? And so well, now we can enjoy fellowship uh, unreservedly. How did Christ receive us? He received us undeservedly. I hope my grammar is correct in all these things, by the way. You can come to me later and quietly let me know if I was off on this. Uh, he received me unreservedly. Unreservedly. Uh, we were talking this morning about the blessings that Christ gives us. Um, you know, I might invite you to my house, and I pull out the Christmas chocolates that somebody gave me, uh, but I won't pull out the best chocolate, right? Because I want to save that for myself. I'll give you the chocolate that wasn't my favorite, right? Am I, in that case, receiving you unreservedly? No, I am reserving to myself the best stuff, right? Uh, Jesus wasn't like that. He shared with us the very best uh, that he had. In Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He already gave us the very best. That was himself, the Lord Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me. That was God's best. And he gave it for you and for me. He received us unreservedly. And finally, um, he received us irrevocably. Irrevocably. That means uh, in a way that he cannot undo it. Right? He received us uh, for all of eternity. Uh, it says in Romans 8 also, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, having received us, uh, he cannot unreceive us. Uh, he received us for all of eternity. And so I hope that that is how you will receive me, undeservedly, unreservedly, and irrevocably. And if we can do that, if we can receive one another like that, then we remove all barriers, right, to being a healthy church. Finally, it says he received us to the glory of God. He received us to the glory of God. God is glorified by Jesus receiving us. I was thinking about that for a bit. In Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 7, 4 through 7, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Uh, the way I understand it is he talks about God lifting us, as we sometimes say, from the guttermost to the uppermost, and there in heaven he has us as trophies of his grace, meaning when people will look at us in heaven, they will see how much grace God has, right? Each of us, and each of us is different, right? We all have different faults, uh, we all have different stories of how God saved us. And, uh, and God is glorified in each and every one of us because in each and every one of us, there's a story of God's grace, of how he, he took us in spite of whatever sins and fault we had and yet lifted us to give us the highest position uh, in heaven. And so God is glorified in us in the same way I should receive you for the glory of God. God is glorified in you. Why? Because you're perfect? No, you're not perfect. And yet God is able to save you and place you at the highest place in heaven. And we should receive one another like that to the glory of God. God is glorified in you. Yeah, are you less than perfect? You are. Uh, but God is glorified in you in saving you. And so I should receive you as a trophy of God's grace. Uh, one of the reasons I love hearing people's testimonies because it shows me something new about God's grace when I listen to your story of how God saved you. We should receive each other like that. All right, step number seven, second to last. Uh, make sure your goal uh, is achievable, 
right? I may have a goal of losing, you know, uh, 20 pounds. Uh, but maybe it's not achievable. Maybe that wouldn't really be healthy for my body. For me to have a healthy body, I shouldn't lose 20 pounds. Maybe 10 pounds is the right amount. And if I keep trying to lose weight after that point, uh, I will just be frustrated because my body just cannot lose that extra weight, not without becoming unhealthy, <laughs> right? Starving myself. Uh, praise the Lord. When we talk about healing divisions uh, in God's uh, church, uh, we know, we know it is achievable. And uh, Paul, I think, shows that to us with the example of the Jews and the Gentiles. He says this, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing uh, to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, O you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Uh, the Jews were separated from the other nations of the world by God. He, he called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And, um, you know, through the long history of the fathers going to Egypt, brought him out, he gave him the law, and in the law, God actually separated them from the Gentiles, saying, you're not going to be like the other nations on the earth. You're going to keep my law. And that was something like 1,500 years before the time of Jesus. For 1,500 years, the Jews considered themselves different from all the other nations uh, of the world. They had their own traditions. They had their own law, which the Gentiles never followed. Right? The, Gentiles, uh, the Gentiles' neighbors generally were idolaters and did all the things God told them not to do. And now, in Christ, all of a sudden, the Jews are saved and the Gentiles are saved and they're told, now you're one church. How do you heal division that's been building up for 1,500 years? And yet, and yet, uh, praise the Lord, God was able to bridge it. As we were reading, they were worshiping God together. In Ephesians 2, 14, he says, For he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace, meaning the Jews and the Gentiles are, may, are, having, are being, being uh, brought into peace in Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. If God was able to heal that rift between Jew and Gentile to make one church, uh, certainly uh, he can heal any division that we might find in this room. Um, it is achievable. The goal of having a, a unified church is an achievable goal, a healthy church. Um, okay, last. Uh, step number eight, uh, keep, keep your eyes on the benefit, right? If, um, if I'm, I'm working toward uh, losing weight, 
Um, you know, every, every, every day I will have that temptation. You know, there's this food here that sure looks good, uh, but it's not going to help me lose weight, accomplish what I want to. You, you have to, to keep your focus, well, I have this goal, and there's a good reason I have this goal. I know I will feel better. I know I will be healthier. Uh, I know I'll be able to you know, run that, that eight-minute mile or whatever it is, that goal you know, that I have, if I am willing to put, you have to keep your eyes on it. Uh, and so uh, us too, when we have a goal um, for a healthy church, we, we have to keep our eyes on, on the goal, on the hope. Um, the last verse of the passage, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, John says this in uh, 3 John uh, chapter 1. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Um, the church is precious. It's precious to God. And, um, and John could say he had no greater joy. Right? Uh, we're often deceived uh, that that steak, you know, dinner or breakfast looks really good. But, you know, it's only going to satisfy me for an hour, right? And afterwards, you know, I'm probably just going to feel kind of heavy, you know? <laughs> you know, the, the, the enjoyment of it will pass away quickly. The, uh, uh, the cost of it to myself will last for a long time. I had a friend at work named Vida. She would say, a moment on your lips, a lifetime on your hips. <laughs> You know, you want to think about the long term. Yes, I may have to give up some, some present uh, rights, some present enjoyment. I may have to bear with a brother or a sister that's less than uh, pleasant uh, at the moment. But there is that long-term goal of that healthy church, that beautiful church that Christ uh, wanted us to be. And that is worth uh, some, some loss of present moment enjoyment to have that lasting joy of, of seeing God's church prosper. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the preciousness of the church to you. Uh, we thank you for the preciousness of Christ to us. We want to please him. We want uh, this church, we want all churches to, uh, to be pleasing in your sight, that you could enjoy them. We ask that you help us uh, live in such a way um, that we, we enhance, we encourage uh, the growth of your healthy church, that, um, that you might be pleased with it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.